0: Like, for me, one of my big aha moments, you know, like, and we talk about this in the studio, but it was realizing that I was never going to become a better writer until I fully kind of, like, faced all my
1: insecurities. Oh, cool. Let's talk about that. Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. I have a really special guest today, Christian Lybrook, who is one of our ProTrack mentors at Jacob Kruger Studio. Uh, I'm especially proud to have Christian here because Christian came up through our program, and uh, he's an extraordinary writer. He has produced and directed his own work. He's managed to maintain a career as a writer from Idaho, which we won't <laughs> tell anybody, Christian. They all think he lives in Los Angeles, which, which I think is really amazing. Um, and he's also just an extraordinarily sensitive human being who, who just has incredible emotional intelligence, both for his characters and for the writers that he's working with. And so we're gonna be talking about the inner game and the personal side of becoming a writer today uh, with Christian. So welcome Christian, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thanks for having me. Uh, as you know, one of my favorite things is to be able to just chat with you about all things screenwriting. So
1: happy to be here. Yeah. So why don't we just start, tell us a little bit about your journey as a filmmaker what what has that looked like and what do you think was the most important thing in kind of making the transition from being someone who was dreaming of doing this to being someone who's doing it yeah um
0: great question and you know when I think about my journey as a screenwriter it's everybody knows that every journey is different right and and, um, anybody who's listening to this podcast you're going to have a different version of what your story is but I think it's helpful to talk about these stories because they can be illustrative of the things that we have to face and the things we have to overcome and I wasn't somebody I didn't go to film school I wasn't somebody who um grew up in the business I didn't grow up in LA or New York and you know for a long time I was always interested in in film and screenwriting but I didn't think that I could do it because I didn't know how to get into the industry you know, I grew up on the East Coast, I was born in Massachusetts and moved around a lot. But by the time I was kind of like pursuing writing, I was in grad school in Alaska, which is about the farthest away you can get from L.A. and still be in the United States. Right? <laughs> and but I took a screenwriting class during I was getting an MFA in creative writing and I was focused on fiction, primarily because I didn't know how to I secretly wanted to be a screenwriter. But I just didn't know how to complete that journey. I didn't know how to start it, little and complete it. And I took a, one screenwriting class and I was immediately, it, it ignited something in me, but I still was literally thousands of miles away from the industry and living in Alaska and trying to make it as a screenwriter just seemed like a ridiculous kind of ask. And so I stayed focused on prose and um, eventually uh, followed a girl to Idaho
1: and uh, and that's where I am today. And-, well, and how everybody launches their career, right? You just follow <laughs> that girl to Idaho and and, and that's it.
0: That's right. And, and I'm very, grateful. even though she and I broke up a year later, I'm very, we're still good friends and I'm still grateful to her for, for, for my arrival here. But one of the things that Idaho did is it's, it's a very small place. And so you could do things and meet people much more easily. Um, it's a very small community. So you meet one person and you, you're meeting and they're going to introduce you to the next person and the next person. And um, but it was also at this time when technology was being democratized. And if you owned a video camera and a computer, you could make a movie. And that was really my entree into kind of taking a stab at this stuff because I didn't have to be in L.A., I realized I didn't have to be surrounded by pros. I could just make it up as I went along. And, you know, the first short film I made was with just with some buddies, you know, and none of us had training and none of us had experience. And we all thought, how hard can it be? Turns out it's really fucking hard to make a movie, (laughs) even a crappy short film. And so, but it was a great introduction and there were elements of it that I fell in love with. I taught myself how to edit. And I love that process of the puzzle coming together visually and like cracking these problems and being able to insert a shot and suddenly the whole thing came together. And it also provided the editing process provided a new light on the writing process because then I got to see things from start to finish right, in in terms of film. And we were directing the things that that we were writing and they were just goofy little sketches. Um, But it kind of like set the stage for me. And that's when I started to say, maybe I want to do this more seriously. And um, I had this little short film that I wrote with some of my buddies and, and, and I directed it. And it was just this creepy little ghost story, but it was the first time that the images I'd seen in my head were actually rendered on the screen in the way that really mimicked what I saw. And it felt like a film, not just a video. And I went, oh, maybe I can do this. And um, so I really kind of like spent a lot of time was working full time and trying to make a go of this stuff. But there was a huge piece of it that I didn't have yet. And you talked about the emotional intelligence. And I'll be honest, I don't think I'm naturally gifted in that way. I had to work really hard at it. Because my natural inclination is to take my emotions and to take my, the things I'm ashamed of and the things that I fear and the things that I don't want people to know and keep all of that at arm's distance. I don't want anybody to see that stuff. Why? Because I'm terrified of being judged. And it, I, but I couldn't face that. I didn't even realize it like earlier in my journey. I was just somebody who was like, this is how I write characters, but I was never going deep on them. And, but there were elements of things that were working, but I could feel it, but I couldn't figure out what I needed to do. And um, fast forward a number of years and my mother had died. She died of cancer in 2017. And um, I started kind of like, there was a whole lot of family drama that was happening during that time. And I knew that I needed to write about this stuff, but I also knew that I couldn't write about it and still keep all that emotion and all that grief and all the shame and everything else, I couldn't keep it at arm's length, that I had to let it in and I had to let it out onto the page. Otherwise, people were going to read it and realize that it just felt surface and it felt fake. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I'm terrified of <laughs> people like seeing the real me. Right. And as I went through the process, that was the script City of Trees, which was a family drama about a guy who's got to come back to his hometown when he realizes his mother is dying. And um, I was like, how's this movie going to be different than every other movie that feels like this? right? And that's when I started to realize it was how I was telling the story. It was elements of structure and the choices I was making. But it was also being very honest and vulnerable with my own experience. And um, the things that I'm truly insecure about, and putting those on the page. And that's when, even though people had said this to me a million times, when I was in my MFA program, Charles Baxter, who's a novelist, had come up, and he had read one of my short stories. And I honestly don't remember what we talked about with the short story, but I do remember him saying at the end of it, Christian, if I could give you one piece of advice, write what scares you. And I was like, right, write scary things. Because I was an idiot, because I didn't really (laughs) want to embrace. I knew what he was saying, but I didn't want to have to face it, right? And that idea of writing what scares you is what I finally did in City of Trees in this family drama, where it was like, because that's what everybody wants, is to know that they're not alone with these feelings of inadequacy, these feelings of shame, of grief, of all the things that we don't want to talk about. And as I started to put those on the page, I could feel... Not necessarily a weight being lifted off of me because I still carry this stuff around. It doesn't go away, right? But you know, energy is neither (laughs) created or destroyed. It's only changed, right? And so that energy that I had, it's not that it went away. It's not that it was eradicated, but it transformed into something different through the writing process and through embracing kind of like all the things that I was terrified to. And it was the first really straight up drama I had written, partly because I think I realized that I was afraid to face this stuff. And I knew that I would have to. And so that script went on to do a lot of great things for me. Um, one of the things it did is um, it got an invitation to go to a um, screenwriting residency in Switzerland called the Plume and Pellicule, And they had uh, what they called consultants from um, all over the world. And um, I was meeting with one of them um, and he, um, he's Cuban and he doesn't speak English as his native language, so there's a translator therefore. for us. And we're at the end of our conversation and he said, And the translator says, oh, he was asking how long it took you to write the script. And I thought about it and I said, 48 years. And I I wait for her to translate. And then he laughs, right? Because he understood that this was a story that was a lifetime of accumulation of events, of experiences, of emotion. And um, I think everybody has a version of kind of like going through, here's my idea of what a screenwriter is. And then when the rubber meets the road, here are the things that we really have to do.
1: I'll never forget my introduction to Christian. <laughs> so uh, my, my good friend, Phil Gilpin, who runs uh, Catalyst, which back then was called ITV Fest, um, calls me up and he says, there's this guy and he keeps winning and he's incredible. But he needs someone to push him over the top. And I need you to make it possible for him to come to your retreat. We were doing retreats in Costa Rica at that time. And so Christian shows up at the retreat and he's like the first one to arrive. And so we walk down to the beach together and we're having this really cool conversation. And then Christian kind of looks at me, and he says he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence, but it's not true. He he kind of looks at me, and and with kind of brutal honesty, he says, you know, I don't know exactly why I'm here, because I don't believe in any of this shit. (laughs) And I said, Christian, that's okay. You don't have to believe in any of this shit, you know. Let's just try some shit and see what works. And then we went swimming, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it was it was one of the, actually my favorite introductions ever <laughs> to a writer because it's really rare that somebody is is that blunt and honest with you. And mm-hmm. um, but I, I think a lot of people have had that experience where you know they've had a class that hasn't helped them, right? They've had mm-hmm. a teacher that hasn't helped them. They've had someone teach them some kind of formula that hasn't helped them, and they start to wonder like is there anyone that I can depend on?
0: So in my defense, (laughs) the the journey from Idaho to Costa Rica is like 27 hours. (laughs) Like if you were in New York, it's actually a pretty quick trip, right? It's like six or eight hours or something. Yeah,
1: it's not very... very Yeah,
0: and so like I got there and I was delirious. And then we had that crazy van ride through the jungle and it was like... So I'm glad that you saw uh, opportunity and honesty in my bluntness. I think I was just delirious, but, um, but there's was, there was obviously some truth that I was speaking. And, um, and I, you know, like this was right, I've been laid off from my, from my corporate job and I knew there was an opportunity in front of me, but it was also terrifying because it was that moment of, like, I didn't realize this at the time, but it's, you know, the Admiral of the Navy arrives on the foreign shores and he says, men burn the boats meaning we're either gonna take this land or we're gonna die here. And I inadvertently did that when I I got laid off and um, I chose not to go get another corporate job. And I said, this is what I really wanna do. And I've been building um, a portfolio of work prior to this. Um, I had uh, a a, a proof of concept TV pilot that had played at Tribeca, and so I'd had some success. But you know it was also that question was masking all of my insecurities and fears and it was a way for me to kind of like put them on the table um, that I felt comfortable with and that you were able to read through and go oh this guy just needs someone to be honest with him and and the greatest gift was you saying you don't have to believe in any of this stuff because that gave me security to come to it in my own ter- um, uh, in my um on my own terms and in my own time and but there was this I was terrified because I, I at some level realized that I had said burn the boats. I was either going to make it or I wasn't. And I had to face the fact that um, up until that point in my life, I always had an excuse. I've got a full time job and I've got family needs and they need, I need to take care of those people. And, blah. and I always had a reason that I hadn't, quote unquote, made it or gotten to the place where I wanted to be. Um, and without the job as an excuse, I, I realized I would have no excuses. I would either make it or I wouldn't. And th- that's a terrifying prospect. Um, I didn't quite realize all of this at the time, though, mind you. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I was on this retreat, I, I knew there was things I was doing well, and I knew there was things I wasn't doing as well. But I literally had only taken that one screenplay class, you know, that screenwriting class when I was in grad school. That's the only formal coursework I would ever done. Everything else was I was self-taught. And, um, and partly because, again, it was all my insecurity. I was like, if I have to take a class, that means I'm not good at it. Right. And I was so, you know, like I look back at it now and I'm like, what the hell is my problem? Right. And it's all the insecurity that builds up in us. We don't want to be bad at something before we can get good at it. You know, it's also this stuff is very personal and and it should be um, if it isn't personal in some way, then then we need to do some self-reflection as as a writer and, a, and a, as an artist. And what the, the, the time Costa Rica gave me was in some ways. Um, it boils down to two things for me. One was the language uh, for the things that I was doing well and the things that I wasn't doing well. I remember like having a conversation um, with one of the mentors about um, the scene I had that was largely expository. And she said, well, Christian, you just need to weaponize it. And I was like, weaponize it? What's that? And then all of a sudden I realized, like, oh, we need to feel the emotion, not the information of this. And this character has to use it as a weapon against, the other, as another, against another character. And suddenly drama is there, tension is there, emotion is there. And I, so then as soon as I f- figured that out, I realized that like, once I had a word or language for the things I was doing well, the things I wasn't, I could replicate things. Because I could say, oh, I know what's happening here. I'm not, I'm not weaponizing the exposition and therefore it feels flat. But if I let the character use that against another character then tension escalates and blah, blah, blah. And so the idea of having a language for this stuff but surprising to me that that was an aha moment for me because I didn't realize it could be in some ways as simple as that. Right. Yeah. Um, And the other thing that I realized was giving feedback was something that I really, I was terrified of it at first because at the studio we do it in a very specific way and I didn't want to be wrong, quote unquote, about how I was giving feedback, but I I really like talking to writers about their work and you know, like that, one of the things that's taught me the most is working with writers. If you want to learn something, teach it, you know, like, because you can't go into a session with a writer and be like, yeah, I couldn't quite figure out what's going on on the page there, sorry, right? And so it forced me to kind of like, really look at work and go deeper, 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 and also really be thinking about what is this writer's intention? What are they trying to communicate? What are they, what themes are they trying to explore? Not me, not what do I think they should be doing. And that gave me greater insight into my own work what am I trying to explore here? Like, how deliberate am I being with every word that's on the page? And I wasn't being deliberate with every word on the page, even though I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we think we know, but we don't know what we don't know kind of thing. So that that, that retreat was, um, that was the place where I sort burn the, the burn of burned the boats and right. um, started kind of really to embrace saying, I think I can do this for real.
1: Well, I think it's really interesting because in a way, like you said, well, I didn't realize all of that at the time. And in a way you're kind of describing the rewrite process when you talk about that, right? It's like, we have to be present in our scenes. And when we're present in our scenes, you know, you can't be present in your scene and carefully choosing every word at the same time, right? Yeah. You, you can't be present in your scene and also thinking about like, what am I building for the future at the same time? You know, it is kind of a burn the boat situation when you show up at the page. It's like, you just have to do it. And sometimes it's not until you've completed it that you can kind of look back and go, oh, that's what I'm doing, that's right? Like, oh, that's my intention. You know, we think we're supposed to have it all worked out and, like, know what our intentions are before we even write anything. But it's, it's impossible. You have to You have to go through the writing to figure out what you're actually saying. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, it's always fun, like starting a new project with a writer and they send their first 10 pages over and everybody knows how important those first 10 pages are, or that first page is really. And they've worked it so hard and they go, what did you think? And I go, ah, I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really matter. And they're like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? And I'm like, the way I work with writers is very much, it's not whether things are good or bad or right or wrong. It's what do we gain? What do we lose with every choice we make? Yeah. You know? And I know, you know, in the latest podcast, you're talking about first image in the bear. And then we do get into those conversations about first image, last image. How does that tell a story and all these things? But, you know, like for me, I've never been a good outliner. It feels like homework to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, my brain just resists it, you know, and I had to find my own process. I had to find my own way of doing things. When I was writing City of Trees, I didn't outline it. I wanted to remain really raw and close to my own experience. And so the first draft of that was almost dictation of things that had happened to me or my family and things I went through. I had to go through a process of making sure that it actually made good drama yeah. <laughs> and fit into the structures of, of a script, you know, um, but, um, you know, going through that process, um, I, I always keep a, what I call a scratch document. This, this is not my idea, somebody else's idea. But I have my screenplay document up and I have my scratch document up. And whenever I delete a scene, I dump it into my scratch document. So I got to the end of that process of writing that script. and went through 40 plus drafts, no joke. And, um, and, my, and the final screenplay was whatever, 107 pages. My scratch document was 300 pages long. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a minute, like I had essentially written the equivalent of four scripts, not even including all the drafts, right? And so I just went, there's gotta be a better way. And I really started to think about process in that moment. And I I spent a lot of time with writers talking about process because I think that we have this tendency for this little voice to come into our head as the insecure voice that when we get stuck, it says, see, I knew you weren't any good at this. I don't even know why you're wasting your time. And I realized that like, The way through that is process. The way through it isn't arguing with that voice. It's what are the tools in my kit that are going to help me through it. And you know, then I started this process of um, usually when I start a new project, I just have what I call a story notes document, and it's just a Google Doc, and I just start dumping my thoughts into that. Because my brain is like this tangled mess and I constantly have thoughts intruding on other thoughts and stepping on each other and I can't start my way through it. And this is the way I usually write it in mornings. So every morning I sit down when I'm starting a new project and I just add to the document. And I essentially use what we teach in the Write Your Screenplay class. Who are your characters? What are their wants? What are their deeper emotional names? What are the obstacles in the way? What are their dominant traits? All that stuff that we talk about. And then I add some other things that are helpful to me. And, but I'll be honest, when I started doing it, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I was just following my intuition and, right, and being a curious writer. But I realized that's what I was doing. I was essentially following what we teach in the Write Your Screenplay class. And by, by just kind of being, it's very, it's not even prosy, it's like a letter to myself. I was working on a script um, called In God We Rust and it's a crime thriller and I'm obsessed with No Country for Old Men, the Coen brothers movie. And I really, you know, these ideas around mortality that are explored in that film and the arbitrary nature of life and death and things like that. And those really resonated with me. And the first lines of the story notes document for that particular one was, I feel like I'm I'm circling something, something akin to No Country for Old Men, but I don't want to straight up rip that off, right? And that allowed me the freedom to Um, admit my greatest fear, which was, I'm going to steal no country film. Yeah. And I put it on the table and then I get to to say, okay, let's make sure we don't do that. Right. And, and it's also like when I get into the screenplay document, my brain starts to formalize everything and it starts to go, okay, you're in the script now. Don't fuck this up. Right. And things get serious. And even though my intellectual brain knows, "Eh, you're going to go through lots of drafts and it's fine. Right. I still feel that pressure. So the story notes document allows me to be free and just come up with the craziest shit possible in a way that's non-threatening that I can make quote unquote mistakes. I can fail quote unquote on the page and it doesn't matter because I'm not in the script yet. Now don't get me wrong. I'm going to fail a ton of times once I'm in this screenplay document too. Yeah. But there's something important to me about allowing my brain to really be in this idea of divergent thinking in the opening mm-hmm. of my process of exploring a script. And eventually I'm going to get to conversion thinking. I'm going to start narrowing things down and making choices and saying, oh, my character does this. My character lives here. My character is seeking this. Right. But my brain is in such a hurry to get there that I realize that I shortcut the process. The quicker I get to the script, the more I'm shortcutting my ability to be curious and explore. I
1: love what you're saying about divergent versus convergent thinking. I always think of screenwriting, like filling an accordion, right? Like you got to get it filled with air before you start squeezing Mm -hmm. stuff out. Or it's just going to be like, you know, you got to, you need to fill it first. And, and I, I also, uh, I I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier, um, because this is, this is what i you know, it's obviously it's our program. So I'm very proud of it, but our pro track program is one of the things I love most about it. It's about guiding the writer past their own cynicism, fear, emotional blocks, um, uh, uh, challenges, structural challenges. Sometimes it's pure craft. Sometimes you just don't have the craft yet to actually know how to see it or know how to get it down on the page in a way that you can visualize it or know how to hear it. Right. And so the, this, this process, right, is, and and, and this is why it's so helpful, I think, just to have someone who's so knowledgeable there at your side, because sometimes you don't actually have the tool yet to diagnose where you need to be focused on. Uh, and and if you, if you don't have the tool to know where you need to be focused, then you're probably thinking about the 10,000 things you're supposed to be doing as opposed to the one thing that's really going to move the needle for you. Um, and and I, I, I love what you're saying to kind of tie that all together to your post to the Costa Rica story that I'm sorry I made you tell. (laughs) but right, um, (laughs) It's
0: all good.
1: If if it makes you feel better, my air conditioning isn't working. So I'm sweating as if I was in Costa Rica. (laughs) So, uh, uh, you know, this idea of and I made I made Christian blush a little telling the story. but, But I actually think we should go into any educational scenario with gentle skepticism. Right, like because there there are a lot of snake oil salespeople in this business, right? And and you know when Christians talking about finding the language, right? That's not the same language for everyone, uh-huh. right? That's about developing your your own personal language. And, and and when Christians talking about process, it's not the same process for everyone. Not everybody has the same process, right? It's about developing your process and, and whether you're working with us or someone else, one of the ways that you know that you're getting good mentorship is that the mentor is asking you more questions uh, and that the mentor is is sharing more of what their experience is than they are telling you what to do. You know, And, and in general, the more somebody tells you what to do, the more skeptical you should potentially be. Uh, you know, and, and so my attitude is, always, uh, you know, and I'm a constant student, right? Uh, and one of the pitfalls that a lot of teachers fall into is, you know, you kind of become the teacher and you forget that you're allowed to learn. Uh, you know, this happens after you sell your first script as well. I'm sure we're like you're like, I'm a professional now, right? I have to be, I have to be such an expert. Uh-huh. No, you, you know, we're artists, you know, and, and one of my heroes as an artist, not as a human being, but as an artist, was Picasso. Um, and the reason I admire Picasso so much is that he was the best of the, the best at what he did. But every time he figured something out, he stopped doing it. And he would reinvent himself and go, well, I understand that. you know. So I want to learn something new. I, I want to do something that I've never done before. And, and I think that so nicely dovetails with, with what Christian was talking about, about like, confronting your fears, writing the thing that scares you, right? Pushing yourself. So the way I always look at education is, I wanna read every book. I wanna study with anyone who has credentials. When I say every book, I mean, every book written by a real writer because too many of them are written by people who've literally never written a screenplay. But every book written by a real writer, I wanna read. Every class taught by a writer, not by any writer, but by a writer that I admire, I want to attend. But just because they're great at writing, I also have to know that that doesn't mean that they're great at teaching. Um, And just because their their process gives great results for them doesn't mean that their process is going to give great results for me. So what I'll usually do is I'll kind of go in and go, okay, I'm going to be gently skeptical, but I'm going to try everything you suggest. Even when a book like I totally, not totally, but mostly disagree, a book like Save the Cat. And I have a podcast about why I have problems with Save the Cat. And there are brilliant things in Save the Cat when it comes to producer draft. He was a master of the producer draft of writing. Um, he was terrible with character, which is why I struggle with him. Um, but I wrote my Save the Cat movie, right? And I, okay, let's try it. Did it help? No. Did it help me learn a little something about the producer draft? Yes, right? And so, you know, you can learn something from everybody, but what, what happens all too often is that we we kind of glom onto something as if like this is the way, right? And And, and I'm here to tell you like, my way is not the way. Christian's way is not the way. Uh, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. <laughs> <Right>? uh, <laughs> like our way is not the way. And, and the job of your mentor is not to show you their way. You, you know, the job of a good mentor, I believe, is to help you figure out your way. Yeah,
0: you know, um, I, you know, again, if you want to learn something, teach it. Like, it is such a gift to work with these writers who are willing to share their work and their vulnerability with with me. And I learned so much from working with them because everybody's got strengths. And to your point about like good writers, good artists, good human beings are gonna constantly challenge their kind of like base of knowledge and go, how do I get better at this? And this is not a business that you can sit on your laurels. This is not a business. This is not a practice. This is not a craft where you can just kind of rely on the same thing every time. Every script I write is different. Like the most recent script I've been working on is it started with this, uh, my producer this director we work with, we're all texting back and forth. And he was like, what about this idea of a hunter who's out in the woods and finds a dead body? And I was like, oh, I can do stuff with that. And I made it, I took that and luckily in this case, my producer is very open to me running with things and saying, now go write your version of it, right? Um, And it turned into something that was very much weirder than probably he originally thought, but I'd written a treatment and I was like, man, this is flowing. This is gonna be the easiest script I've ever written.
1: Uh -uh. (laughs) Yeah, you
0: know exactly where this is going. (laughs) And then I hit a huge wall. And I'm still in the middle. And I've probably come close to getting to the other side, but that was two months ago. And I have a process for how I work through this stuff. And, and, and um, every script is gonna be different. Every script is gonna present its new, new set of challenges. And if we're not curious, if we're not constantly open to learning things about the craft and about ourselves as writers, we're gonna hit a script one day that says, nope, I'm not gonna let you in mm-hmm. unless we can be humble, and curious and, you know, I just like, we all know that feeling of the muse coming down and touching us when we're, you know, we've been struggling with something or whatever and we're taking a dog for a walk and all of a sudden we go, oh my God, that's it. I just have to do this. And it seems so simple, right? I'm like, how come I couldn't think of this before? But I think as a professional writer, I don't have the luxury of just sitting around waiting to take my dog for a walk and having the the muse come down and touch me. I have to cultivate that, right? And I think about this from, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Buddhist, but I, but I borrow from Buddhism and there's different schools of thought in Buddhism. There's the sudden enlightenment school, which is you are gonna be walking down the street one day and suddenly enlightenment is gonna come down and it's gonna strike you and you're gonna feel that bolt of lightning. There's another school of thought called gradual cultivation, which means you have to just kind of constantly and consistently chip away at these ideas. And I think it takes both to be a successful screenwriter. You've gotta have the discipline and you've gotta have the rigor and you've gotta have just the patience while still having a sense of urgency to go through that gradual cultivation and just chip away, chip away, chip away. And it's really hard to do this stuff. But the more we do it, the more it becomes sort of like um, routine, but not a routine in the way that we get satisfied and we get set in our ways. But we do end up with a process. And we just have to be curious about it. And hopefully there's people along the way that can help draw that out of us. Like I go back to the Latin root of the word, educo, educate, which means to lead out right? It, does, it doesn't say anything about Doctrination. It doesn't say about do it this way. You're leading that person out of the place that they are to a place that is someplace new.
1: Well, that is really beautiful. And I wanted to say a lovely place to end, but I have to talk about one more thing with you. Okay. <laughs> which is uh, you are starting up a brand new workshop at the studio. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that workshop um, and how it's gonna be constructed and, and what it's gonna do.
0: Yeah, well, yes, I'm really excited because it's a different way to work with writers. And one of the things that really has made me a better writer is understanding how to get feedback. And so when we think about the workshop environment, we think of, oh, I'll get to have my pages worked and people give me feedback and don't get me wrong. That is a huge benefit. But I think actually the underestimated benefit of learning how to read somebody else's word Um, learning how to read it in a way of um, supporting that writer, of being curious, trying to understand what their goals are. Um, It's going to teach you how to read your own work and kind of like take that judgmental voice. We can never get rid of it entirely, but it's going to teach you, part of the workshop is going to teach you how to contextualize that voice, how to validate it in a way that allows you to listen to it more clearly and to improve your own work. So certainly it's gonna be talking about the words on the page and you're gonna get the opportunity to workshop that stuff with a group of people who are intelligent, compassionate, caring, smart, you know, um, and, and, and strong writers in their own right. But you're also gonna learn how to, how to read stuff and how to approach it with curiosity. What better way to learn than to like put your work out there and to help contribute to somebody else's success.
1: Yeah. the way these groups work is so wonderful. We, we, it's very, you do have to apply. It's a very carefully cultivated group. We want to make sure that we're putting the right people in the room. So there's an interview process that you go through with our admissions director, James Kautz, um, where he's going to talk to you about your writing, your goals, you know, your experience. Uh, and we're going to make sure that we get the right people in the room together. Uh, and that's not about having all people at the same levels of experience. Sometimes it's really interesting to put a beginner with somebody who's more advanced. The beginner teaches the advanced person how to break the rules. The advanced person teaches the beginner the tricks of the trade, right? What we're really trying to do in those groups is get people who are going to be a sparky room, almost like if you were putting together a writer's room. Uh, where you have different people with different voices and different talents and different levels of experience and different expertise, and you put them together so that they can all grow together. And so the the it's an ongoing class. It's kind of like ProTrack. The goal is that you can stay there for, for years. You can stay there through your whole career if you want to. Um, with this intimate group, everyone commits to stay for a minimum of a year so that there's continuity, so that you guys know each other's work. And... Every, you're going to meet twice a month and you're workshopping. Uh, at, there are only eight people, so everyone's getting a chance to work, uh, workshop pages every other week. Um, and you're kind of building these pieces together. And it's just a really uh, extraordinary way of learning, uh, kind of like ProTrack in a group. <laughs> so um, uh, I'm really excited about that. If you want to find out more about that, you can go to writeyourscreenplay.com and set up an appointment with James to talk about it. And uh, 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 Christian, before we break, if there was one other thing that you would want writers to know, one other gift that you'd like to give them that you wish you had known when you started your journey, what would it be?
0: Um,
1: you know, one of the things I talk to writers a lot
0: about is when I took my... One screenwriting class, Len Camerling, who was this super talented and compassionate documentary filmmaker, he said to me, Christian, the people who make it are not the people, that the most talent, they're the people stay in the room. And that's something I've taken with me to this day. And when I'm working with writers, I say there are so many things we cannot control. We can't control whether people like our work. We can't control whether somebody's going to give us money. We can't control whether they're going to get it made but we can't control the words on the page. And if we come back to that page day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, good things can happen. So stay in the room.
1: Yeah, I love that. So stay in the room, keep digging till you find your voice, decide you're not gonna let go of your script until you make it good, rather than asking yourself, are you good enough? And I think you'll be surprised uh, about just how beautiful your journey can be. So, Thank you, Christian, so much for being with us and for all this wonderful advice. If you want to study with Christian, you can do so online from anywhere in the world, one-on-one in ProTrack or in a group. If you're interested in any of our other programs or a full transcript of this podcast, you can find it on writeyourscreenplay.com. Uh, and if you want, you can even join us for free every Thursday night for Thursday Night Right, where Christian is sometimes a guest. So uh, thank you all so much, and we'll see you soon.